The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to another edition of Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Pastor John Kane, broadcasting from the oldest town in Texas, Nacogdoches. With us on the air today, we've got Pastor Frank Hart out of uh, Katy, Texas, west of Houston. Welcome to the program, Frank. Well, thanks, John. Thanks for having me on your show. So Katy is one of those uh, booming areas on the outskirts of Houston. How did you pick Katy as a uh, as a location? Katy kind of picked me uh, back in like 2004 when Crosspoint Lutheran Church hired me to be their music director and creative director. And so then I ended up moving out to Katy and being there for 11 years. The Your church experience started at another congregation. So something uh, must have worked on you to start a new location. Yeah. So I had been doing ministry at Crosspoint for, like I said, about 11 years. In 2014, there were a lot of changes that were happening in the leadership. And then in 2015, I found myself looking for my next ministry opportunity. About eight different people approached me during this time and asked if I would be interested in planting a new church which was not really on the top of my wish list of things to do next. But I did invite those people over to my house to talk about it, and uh, they had all come to me kind of independent of each other. They didn't know each other. And, you know, since I had spent the last 11 years praying for and ministering to the people of Katy, I definitely wanted to keep doing something here if that was possible. So I asked these people what they thought this new church might look like, And I reminded them that I wasn't a Lutheran pastor, so seminary would be part of the deal. Uh, The the Texas district would have to agree. They'd be part of the deal. There's a lot of things that could have got in the way of this thing. Plus, my wife wasn't crazy about the idea. We're in our 50s. Church planning kind of seems like a young man's game, you know? Yeah, but God had plans for you. And uh, so you, you stayed with the theme of new church? Or how did you how did you pick this uh, new church as your um, name for the congregation? We tried a lot of different names. We even had one night when we got together. We were meeting before we had a name. Uh, one night when we got together, we kind of threw a bunch of names up on a whiteboard, and they were all the names that you would expect Christians to come up with. But when it came right down to it, we had been calling it the new church. What about the new church? When we start this new church, what do you think about this for the new church? I'm like, you know what? Let's just get rid of the gap in new church and just call it new church. That's the reason that we that we finally decided to go ahead with this plant, though. So I'd gotten together with all of those people at my house, and we kind of talked about it, and we prayed about it. And like I said, my wife wasn't into the idea. I went to bed that night, and I just I prayed. I said, you know, Lord, I don't know if you want me to do this or not, so I'm going to need you to make this clear to me. And I, you know, God doesn't promise to speak to us in visions and dreams. He doesn't promise to do that. We know that, but sometimes he does. And that night I did have a very particular dream. I dreamed that 
there was this new church. I recognized some of the people in the congregation. We were in a specific place. I saw how the lights and the stage and the chairs were all set up in this place called the lab that I had been to one time. So I woke up and I thought, well, you know, Lord, that would work. So here's what we'll do. Here's what I promise. This is as far as I'm going to go with this. I'll contact the owner of the lab. And if they agree, if they agree to meet with me, and if they go for this crazy idea, then we'll do it. And if not, I'm going to look for my next ministry opportunity. But to make a long story short, two days later, I was walking out of the owner of the lab's office with keys and alarm codes, and we met there for free for the next couple of years, starting a week later. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that's definitely a God thing. I would think so. Yeah. So you're not, um, uh, in terms of chronologic uh, dates, you're not really a new church anymore. You've been meeting for, uh, for five or six years, but the message is new and fresh. So what do you tell people about what the difference is about your congregation where you serve? Yeah, people do tease me about the name because in February, uh, new church will be six years old. So they do tease me about the name, but the name was never that we were the newest church. That's not what we were going for. The idea is that every generation needs to disciple the next generation and make a new church. That, that, that's the idea of the name. So reaching people that don't know the gospel, that don't know Jesus, that don't know about the love and grace of God, that's the idea of new church. So from your own personal history, what is it that uh, has equipped you to, to be a church planter and to be effective at reaching out to the people of Katy? Yeah, other than, you know, I'm so handsome. Um, well, there is that. Yeah, no, that's not it. You know, I, I, I sort of have an, I had an internal call to, to ministry when I was 14, which is the same year that I came to faith in Jesus. I wasn't raised in the church, and I kind of spent all my time thinking about how I could have conversations with my friends and my family, how to open up conversations and be persuasive with the gospel. So that's pretty much all I thought about as a 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old. I went to Bible college right out of high school. Uh, I was in the Assemblies of God at the time. And going to Bible college in the Assemblies of God, I realized pretty much right away that I was not going to be an Assembly of God pastor. I just didn't jive with the theology. Uh, I had read through the Bible. I had a rudimentary understanding of how I thought things fit together, and that wasn't the way it fit together to me. So I finished that education, but I got my degree, but I didn't become a pastor in the Assemblies of God, I started having success in music. So I spent the next 25 years or so doing music. I had a record deal with Warner Brothers Records, toured all over the world with a band called Atomic Opera, a hard rock band. I was doing the same kind of thing. I was just doing it in the context of touring with hard rock bands, Ronnie James Dio opening for Metallica and Stone Temple Pilots and King's X and playing in these places that, uh, you know, I would just have these conversations with people. I, all of my songs were 
thinly disguised apologetics dealing with theology, and it all just kind of worked. Anyway, I, I got hired at that church in Katy, Crosspoint, because of my musical abilities, and I was also the, I became the creative director. I, I, I know my way around a recording studio and video cameras and editing and graphics, and it all kind of comes together in pastoral work. So if the idea, Frank, is to reach the unchurched people, what works? Oh, well, absolutely nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. Uh, when it comes to how do you get people to come to visit your church, yeah, there's, there's absolutely nothing you can do. In, in this, in this post-COVID, like post-Christian world that we live in now, it was hard enough to get people to want to agree on any level to come visit your church before the plague. It was. Yeah. But now the, the whole idea of getting people to walk into a room full of strangers, breathe the same air for an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Good luck with that. And then add to that the fact that our, our culture is so politically divided and divisive and angry and uh, people are just more and more confused about what the church is, who Jesus is, what the gospel means. It, it's, it's pretty rare to find someone that actually understands those things on any level anymore. So now you walk up to them and you invite them just to come visit your church. That's, that might have worked back in the day. And, and I had a lot of success with that at Crosspoint. That, I don't believe that is the way forward. So another part of New Church is trying to do this from a, in, a, in a different way. So first of all, the idea of New Church, we, we aren't doing this yet, but the idea of New Church was to be a place that was open seven days a week, not just on Sunday morning, to be a place where people would gather to eat and drink together you know, like a, like a pub or a restaurant or a cafe, something like that, where people would actually want a, a nice place, a place where people would actually want to go and hang out with their friends and their family and where relationships could be fostered between like the people of New Church that would also hang out there and the people that just showed up for whatever food and drinks we happen to offer that's been the idea. We haven't been able to move into that type of ministry yet, although we do very often stay after worship and eat together. We used to meet on Saturday nights, and we would always eat together and drink together. It was a BYOB situation, and that, that's actually how we got to know each other and became a, a family together. I don't know. I look at Jesus and how he just went from house to house, party to party, they called him a, a, a glutton and a wine biber. And maybe those of us who are doing ministry, maybe if we're not being accused of being gluttons and drunks, maybe we're not doing it right. Maybe. So. Well, he certainly met people where they're at. And, um, you know, in our day, we, we have these barriers to uh, interpersonal contact. And like you're saying, with COVID and fears and political things, and yet what is it about the message that you share that transcends those barriers? 
Yeah. So I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head that the thing that, that we're going to have to do is we can't, we can't invite people to come to us so much anymore. Uh, Jesus says that I will make you fishers of men. Okay. So I don't know a lot about fishing, but I know a little bit about fishing. So one of the first lessons of fishing is you have to go to where the fish are. I would think that was important. Yeah. So we got to go to where the people we want to reach, we got to go to where they are. A second one is what are you baiting your hook with? First of all, you got to have a hook. Now I'm a musician, so hook has a connotation to me, but you got to have a hook and then you got to bait that hook with something that they want, or at least they think they want. Are we doing any of those three things typically as the church? Are we going to where the fish are? Do we have a hook? And do we bait the hook with something that they want? I don't, I don't think we do. I don't think those are three basic ingredients of fishing that we are getting right currently. Well, I think you've just identified some of the things that are the most difficult about church planting or the most difficult about reaching people in the current culture. And, and once you identify those things, that probably allows you to craft then your hook or craft your approach. Yeah. One of the one of the most disappointing things about planting new church was when we first kind of got going, we had a nice mix. It was 2015. We had a nice mix of like, let's just say red leaning boomers and younger blue leaning millennials and Gen X. Like we had a nice mix of this. And it was 2015. It was early in 2015. And by the fall of 2015, the culture had become poison for those two camps to be in the same room. And my overly enthusiastic, red-leaning folks scared away all of my younger, blue-leaning folks. That was heartbreaking because I really did kind of in that fall, in that election season, I lost almost all of my young people. So is there a way to, uh, to reach out beyond Katie using electronic means? Is there a way to reach groups of people um, significantly without having them in the same physical worship space? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I employ all of the things. I'm on all the social media things. I'm always trying to figure out a way to use whatever for the gospel. Uh, I, I turn all of my sermons and everything that we do into some kind of podcast or blog or video blog. I mean, I, I'm, I'm constantly looking for a way to get it out there. We got the Google grant thing going. And what I mostly use that for is just sharing the gospel with people in other countries. It doesn't really work all that great for Katy, Texas, but it is a great way to blast all of my teaching, all of it to people in places that wouldn't find it. Otherwise it's, it, it, that's pretty fantastic. Let's, uh, let's take a little bit different tack here for a second. How do people come to faith? How do people come to faith? Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. So they have to hear the word, and then the word becomes alive in those people, and then that uh, grows up and 
works out into faithfulness. Yeah, good, good answer. Yeah, God, uh, the Holy Spirit of God uh, works on people's hearts and minds. So um, as frustrating as it is when we see people go out the door for a while, we pray that the, the Spirit will turn those feet around or um, instill the faith in them and grow the faith in them. Yeah. Uh, so we've uh, continued when it comes to, to... When it comes to church planning, I will say that the most difficult, heartbreaking aspect of doing this, and I wasn't prepared for this at all, is when people leave. Yeah. It's just nothing prepares you for that. I mean, you give them your heart, you give them your life, you pour everything you have into them, you have all these hopes for them, and then one day they're just gone. Maybe they'll tell you why they leave, maybe they won't. And man, I wasn't ready for that. I just right. tell you right now. I mean, I'm I'm getting a little bit thicker skin now, but when that first started happening, oh, mm. well, we take it personally, don't we? It is personal. Yeah, yeah. But uh, did that kind of thing ever happen to Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> so there's your comfort, right? <laughs> yeah, right. If right. the greatest pastor, the greatest teacher, the most holy of human beings, if if he had the kind of troubles that he had then what can I expect from me? That's right. That's right. So we, we, uh, we don't uh, take it on our shoulders alone. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is thinking about uh, church planting? I would say, do it. It's going to be almost impossible. Do it anyway. I mean, have a vision, pray to God that he fills you with his spirit and with a vision and with the gospel and all the grace in the world because you're going to need it. Get a, a small, dedicated group of, of close-knit people that you can count on that will be your friends and your partners in ministry who love the vision and listen to them. Let them pour into this vision too. And then here's the most important thing. This is what I would tell them. Teach them to fish. Teach them to fish. That is... Honestly, that's what discipleship is. Teach them to fish. So you mentioned the vision. Explain that to us a little bit. Well, Sharing the vision. I mean, you're, let's say you're planting a church. I, I, I shared a little bit about my vision. Right. So, I mean, eating and drinking with people, uh, pulling people together, discipling them, teaching them to fish, reaching the next generation. That, that's part of my vision. I could keep going. But you got to have a reason that people are going to want to follow you into this church plant because it's going to be hard. So why would they go to, you know, John's new church uh, when they could just go to, you know, St. Whatever down the street? Just show up on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, be back home by 1130? They, they, they're going to need a vision. Without a vision, they're not going to get up in the morning for you. Right. Without, God's, without vision, God's people perish, I think, is right. the, uh, the quote. So um, when you share the good news of the gospel and you give people what God's plan is, what do you tell them? So over the last couple of years, we have been going through the Bible, and some weeks I'll just do a book of the Bible a week. 
And then sometimes we'll slow down and we'll do like verse by verse through an entire book. And the whole point of this every week is to show them how it points to Jesus and the gospel. You're going to find things in there that challenge you. You're going to find the law. You're going to find condemnation. Yeah, all of that's going to happen. The Spirit's going to work that way too. But also, don't stop until you find Jesus. Don't stop until you hear his voice tell you the promises of the gospel and how he's already done it for you. He's already done it. Your sins are forgiven because of Jesus. So let's move forward with that knowledge. Yes, knowing that uh, Christ's uh, victory over death in the grave was done for us as, as God in human flesh to uh, confer God's blessings upon us is a wonderful message, especially now as, uh, as today as we're recording this, we're approaching uh, Christmas, and to recognize the magnitude of God's love and the magnitude of his gift that is ours. Um, what would you say to someone who asks, what difference does it make if I'm a Christian or not? See, that's the question that a person who doesn't actually know who Jesus is and what the gospel means would ask. And that is the question that this entire post-Christian culture is asking. Like, what does it matter? There, why do I need to go to church and find out how to be a good person? I'm already a good person. Once you realize that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, he came into the world that was already condemned to save it. So he didn't have to condemn the world. If you ask people that question, if you were to say, Jesus said he came into the world not to condemn it, but to save it, what does he mean by that? They won't know. They won't understand. Because the answer is, the world was already condemned. The house was on fire. He came in to rescue you. So when we compare ourselves to Adolf Hitler, we look pretty good. But when we compare ourselves to God, we find out that we come up short. And uh, how wonderful it is that he makes up the difference uh, between what we're capable of and, and how far we've fallen. He makes up the whole difference through Jesus Christ. We'll come back to our guest, Frank Hart, in just a minute. I wanted to point our listeners to our radio station website, elmhouston.org. You can find ways to support what you're listening to. You can donate online or you can mail us a check at ELM PO Box 568, Cypress, Texas. And the zip is 77410. And now back to our guest. Frank, would you uh, share with us a little bit how our listeners could check in or support what you're doing? Absolutely. We would love to see you, hear from you. Our website is newchurch.love. So that's our, that's our website URL. Um, you can also reach me personally at frank at frankheart.com. You know, looking forward to see what God does through you. About how many people are in this uh, Katy to New Katy area? Is it a couple hundred thousand? Oh, Katy? Yeah. You know, the greater Katy area is probably 400,000 people. Yeah. So yeah. there's lots, lots and lots of folks there and lots and lots of neighborhoods and plenty of people there who uh, need to hear the good news, the message of Christ who has come to save us from our sins and open the very doors of heaven to us and for us. Yes. So again, uh, joining us on the air has been uh, Frank Hart. And Frank, 
God's blessings on what you're doing at Katie and your outreach around the world. Join us again real soon for another edition of Engaging Truth. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.